I remember very clearly uh, Christmas time in my first year at college and college for me was a very transformational time. It was really the first time that I had been surrounded by people my own age who were really serious about following the Lord. We were working together, playing together, studying together. I was majoring in biblical studies, minoring in biblical languages, and it was just a great experience. It was a greenhouse experience for me. And I remember that first Christmas of my freshman year, we were on the Intracoastal Waterway uh, in West Palm Beach, Florida. And they would, at that time, they maybe still do, have a Christmas parade on the water. Boats would be decorated for Christmas and just float down the Intracoastal Waterway. And I remember sitting there, and because I had been in the midst of this spiritual awakening and such a good spiritual time. And this was the first Christmas that I was celebrating as that phase of my life began. And I remember just being so thankful uh, because the Christmas season was so full of meaning for me in a way that it hadn't been before. And I was someone who had accepted Christ as my Savior when I was a four-year-old kid, had grown up in the church, but there was just a spiritual renewal that was happening in my life. And to be able to celebrate Christmas and recognize the meaning behind it <clears throat> and the meaning of it just hit me in a fresh and new way at that time. And honestly, that's my hope for, for me, for you, for us, as we enter into this Christmas season, that we will be able to celebrate with a renewed sense of the meaning and depth and importance of what we are celebrating. Because it is so easy to just get in a regular year, wrapped up in the hustle and bustle and the things that you have to do, the places you have to go, the packages you have to wrap, the things you have to buy, just keeping track of everything that has to be done. And this year, after this kind of year and the differences and changes that we're going to be facing and have faced when it comes to celebrating Christmas, this uh, is even more distracting and it's even more difficult to celebrate Christmas in a meaningful and enjoyable uh, way. But that's what we're going to be committed to doing. We want to make Christmas better. We say that following Jesus makes life better and makes you better at life. Well, I believe that following Jesus will make Christmas better and you better at Christmas as well. And so what I want to do is look at a passage uh, today. Uh, one of the things I love to do is look at the different people that are in the, the Christmas story and focus in on their perspective. And this is one that I haven't done before really, haven't really looked at in depth before. He's really just a side character, his time in, uh, in the pages of scripture is very brief, but he's included in the Christmas narrative in the most famous Christmas passage of all, Luke chapter 2. And I think that it's going to help us to really experience Christmas and see how what led him to where he encountered the Holy Family and the baby Jesus. And I think that it'll have implication and help for us as well. Because he, if, during this time, this is a time where it'd be very easy to be disappointed. We are celebrating Christmas in some cases in a way like we've never celebrated or wanted to celebrate Christmas 
in any time past. There's uh, separation. Uh, usually this is the time where everybody gets together and now that's going to be limited in some form or fashion. Uh, it makes me think of when I was a kid, we would always go to a certain place for Christmas and spend time with a certain part of our family. And there was one year where we weren't going to do that. And I was just devastated as a little kid. It's like I couldn't even imagine Christmas without going to my fam to spend time with my family. But uh, that's what was going on. And for some of you, you're not going to be able to spend Christmas with the people that you want to. You're not going to be able to travel. Um, in some cases, it's because the people that you, some of the people that you love are not here anymore. They're, the people that were here last Christmas are no longer with us this Christmas. There's loss. There's a sense of loss. There's a sense of disappointment. There is, of course, that sense that this is not the way things should be. And this character, whose name is Simeon, is a person who could relate to that. He was living in a time where they hadn't heard a word from the Lord for hundreds of years, where his country had been taken over by an occupying hostile force, where he had all of these hopes that to this point in his life, and he was an old man, uh, had not been fulfilled. So it was a disappointing time in his life but he encounters Jesus, the baby Jesus, and in this segment, I think, in this segment of the Christmas story, we're going to see how disappointment can be turned around. There was a particular phrase in this passage that got me started thinking about this, and I want you to see this before we go into more depth and actually read the passage. The man's name is Simeon, and in Luke 2.25, it says he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was looking forward to that time when God's promise was going to be fulfilled and he was going to send a rescuer, someone who would deliver his people. Uh, but there's uh, the translation that's more traditional and the one that I was more familiar with, you'll find in the NIV. The New International Version translates it like this. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. The consolation of Israel. I love that phrase. And I looked up the definition of consolation and this is what it is. It's the comfort received by a person after a loss or a disappointment. You look back over this past year, for many of us, it has been a year full of loss or disappointment or both. And consolation is the comfort that you receive when you've suffered a loss or suffered a disappointment. And so Simeon was looking for the consolation of Israel. And perhaps you, as you look to put a stop to this year, put the period on 2020, then perhaps you have experienced loss and you have experienced disappointment and uh, you would like to move past that and get encouragement. And that's what Simeon found and what I hope to do in this time as well. So today we're going to be talking about disappointment and what Simeon found and what followers of Jesus have available to us is this truth that the Lord 
even in the midst of our loss and disappointment, is present and active. The Lord is present and active. So let's look at this passage together. This is Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 32. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation if you want to follow along. Again, this is smack dab in the middle of the most famous Christmas passage, Luke chapter 2. But it is a segment that doesn't get a lot of attention, and we're going to give it some attention today. It starts out, verse 21, with Jesus being presented at the temple. This is what it says. Eight days later, after his birth, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for the purification offering as required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child. So his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The, Lord, the law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. At that time, there was also a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and he had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. That day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace, as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the encouraging words that we see in this scripture, that you are a God who fulfills his promises, that you are the consolation of Israel, the light for all people, the Savior and Lord that has come to bring us comfort, hope, and rescue. Lord, I pray for myself and I pray for everyone who is listening and watching that you would give us that same consolation, that comfort, that encouragement, that whatever disappointment or loss that we have faced, that you will come in with your presence and that you will give your peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's look at this together. It starts off with Jesus being presented at the temple. And this was the time when uh, in his faith, the baby was circumcised and also when the baby was named. And he was given the name Jesus, the name given him by the angel even before he was conceived. So uh, they didn't have to worry or wonder about what they were gonna name their baby because long before they had been told that they were to name him Jesus. Now, Jesus was actually at that time a fairly common name. It's the same name as Joshua. And it means, and this is the important part, the Lord saves. 
the Lord saves. So two aspects to this. It talks about the Lord. This is the sovereign Lord of the universe, the creator God who made everything and created humanity in his image. And what the Lord does, and this is the other aspect of his role, is that of Savior. That he is the one who rescues, who redeems, who uh, saves. And so you see, even in this name, that was given that the Lord is present and active. The Lord, the creator of all the universe, is now taking up residence in humanity. The Jesus was fully God and fully man. And so he is present that the God who created everything was now coming to live to, as the Gospel of John says, pitch his tent among us. He was going to live with us. He was going to reside with us. He was to be with us. Another name for Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And so he is present. He, in a time like this where you are experiencing loss and disappointment, the question comes up, does the Lord even care? Does the, does the Lord know? Is, is, he, is, he, is he here? And what Jesus, the name that was given, reminds us is that the Lord is present, that, that he has come and made his presence among us. He has joined with us. And that he's also active. He is the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's the one who comes into loss and disappointment and turns things around and makes things right. The Lord is present and active. Then a little bit later, they would have returned to the temple. There's a little bit of a time shift, multiple weeks between these two verses. In verse 22, it says, Then it was time for their purification offering as required by the law of Moses. Now, the purification, that word, is actually the same word that we get catharsis from. It's a, catharsis is pretty much a transliteration of this word. And the idea behind catharsis or cleansing or purification is the removal of everything that prevents us from having communion and fellowship with God. That uh, there was a process that they would go through that was symbolic of the removal of anything, any barrier that would keep a person from having complete fellowship with God. And so here you see Jesus uh, already identifying, he's present, He's identifying with humanity because he's going through this purification process. And he is also, it foreshadows his redeeming uh, activity on the cross. Because what he was doing and going through and his parents having going through this, he was living under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law and give them hope and salvation. One of the commentaries that I read uh, by Geldenheis is his name, uh, puts it like this. I love the way that he talks about the redeeming work and how even in this purification process, this offering of the sacrifices that he is, uh, that Jesus is foreshadowing his work later as uh, a man on the cross. 
God sent his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And what the author is doing here is just referring back to different scriptures that describe the work that Jesus was doing. That's Romans chapter 8, verse 3. In all things, he had become like his brothers, Hebrews 2.17. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. He's present and he's active, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those that were under the law, Galatians 4.4. 4. Thus it is that he who himself is without sin or guilt, he's God, present, also nevertheless performs all the obligations of the law and fulfills all righteousness. The circumcision and purification customs after a birth, and this is, this is the insight, this is the, the explanation for what they were doing and how it foreshadowed what Jesus would do. The circumcision and purification customs after a birth had reference to the state of sin in which each human being is born. So even though Jesus was without sin, he is identifying with us who are born into a sinful world with a sinful nature. These customs had reference to the state of sin in which each human being is born and to the purification therefrom by blood sprinkling and sacrifices. Were therefore Jesus the stainless and holy one where he undergoes these things, this is not on his own account, but it serves as a sign that he voluntarily places himself under the law and takes upon himself the obligations of his people so as to procure their redemption. He takes upon himself their impurity and guilt, and therefore he undergoes circumcision and later also the baptism by John. Along this road he moves to undertake the work of redemption. The name Jesus, the Lord, the Savior, given to him at the circumcision in obedience to the command of God indicates this fact forcibly. So in the midst of this, we see that Jesus is already foreshadowing through what he goes through at his birth within days and weeks after his birth. He is going through uh, things that are pointing towards his role, that God has come and is present, that he's active in the midst of this, and that he is going to rescue his people. So at this time, when they come back to the temple to go through this purification ceremony, it says there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. Now, we don't know too much about him except what we see in this scripture passage. But in these short verses, we're going to see three things about Simeon that are worth emulating. And that if we can do the same thing in our lives, then that is going to make Christmas more meaningful and much better as a result. So the first thing that I want you to notice, the first thing that's mentioned about Simeon is that Simeon's focus was on the Lord. It says, he, Simeon, was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. All this is wrapped up in just this verse or two. So the first thing, his focus was on the Lord. He was righteous and devout. He was focused on maintaining a good relationship with the Lord, which resulted in good relationship with others. He was devout. He was focused. He was 
he was working at, he was passionate about his relationship with the Lord. Um, so often right now, especially in our time and place, there are so many things that are vying for our attention. Um, and so we have to work sometimes at taking our attention off of what's showing up on TV, what's showing up in the news, what shows up in our worries, all of these different things and shift our attention and our focus to the Lord. How was it that he was able to uh, walk so closely with the Lord, to hear from the Lord, to know what was going on in God's plan as it relates to Jesus. Well, it was because of his devotional life. He was focused on the Lord. And if you are finding that your losses and disappointments are overwhelming you, then perhaps it will help in order to shift our focus, to shift our focus away from the injustices in the world, the disappointments, the losses, the frustrations. If we don't do anything, it is these things. These things are the ones that are going to grasp and seize our attention. It takes a certain amount of effort to shift our focus away from those things back to the Lord. And the famous passage from Isaiah says that those whose eyes are, whose, whose attention is focused on the Lord, you will, he will keep in perfect peace. Do you want to experience peace? Then you focus on the Lord. If you want turmoil and worry and disappointment and frustration, then just let whatever comes into your world be your focus. So his first thing was that he was focused on the Lord. This is a perfect opportunity for us when the whole world kind of puts everything on pause to celebrate this time of the year. Uh, just allow all of those reminders, all of those, uh, all of those prompts of the season to focus your attention on the Lord. The second thing that you'll notice is that Simeon's hope was in the Lord. It says he was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. He was in a situation where his people had evil rulers, where they were under the subjugation of a foreign power. Who knows all of the difficulties and trials that Simeon had faced by this time in his life. But his hope was in the Lord. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. His consolation was going to be that God was going to show up, he was going to be present, and that he was going to act, that he was going to rescue Israel. Again, it's very easy for us to put our hope in other things. If I just get this job, if, the, if this election just goes the way that I want it to, if I can just move to a different place, if I can just find that certain someone, if I can just get out of this certain relationship, just all of these things we put our hope in and we say, if only this would happen, then everything would be okay. Unfortunately, what we do so, so often is set ourselves up for disappointment by doing that. There is one and only one in whom you can put your trust, in whom you can put your hope that you will not be disappointed. The scriptures promise the one who puts their hope in the Lord will never be 
disappointed. And so that's what Simeon was doing. Uh, there are so many things. They're going to say, put your hope in me. Put your hope in this. If, uh, uh, help me do this. Help me accomplish this. Get this. Buy this. Go here. And everything will be okay. Instead, what Simeon we see doing is eagerly waiting for the Lord, the Messiah, to come and rescue Israel. Lastly, the third thing that we're, talk, that we're told about Simeon is that his path was directed by the Lord. This is the way it's described. The Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit is upon him. Now, at this time in history, the Holy Spirit was not universally available to everyone. At that time, every once in a while, God would put his spirit upon someone and lead them and guide them in a special way. Now, after the resurrection and ascension, God has sent his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. Uh, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and lives and resides in every follower of Jesus. That began on the day of Pentecost when those flames of uh, tongues of fire rested on each single believer symbolizing that now God was taking up residence, that he wasn't living in a temple anymore, but that the people of God were going to be the temple of God. And now as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives and resides in every believer. But at this time, this was a special thing. And we see that the Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him, had showed him, had led him to uh, uh, told him that he wouldn't die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Holy Spirit was upon him. It's kind of an old way of describing it, a more straightforward way. You find in the New Living Translation where it says that he was, actually this is the New Living Translation and this is the Message Translation, it says that he was led by the Spirit. Now again, this was a special thing at that time, but now it's universally available. You can be led by the Spirit of God. And in fact, the scriptures promise in Romans that if you are a child of God, you are led by the Spirit of God. If you're led by the Spirit of God, you are a child of God. So when you say yes to Jesus and God comes and, and takes up residence in your life, you are led by the Spirit. There are so many things that we don't know how to face, don't know what to do with, but if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living and residing in you. You have the mind of Christ so he can share his thoughts. You can literally read his mind because, actually that's a figurative expression, but you get the idea that you can know what God's thoughts are. And whatever situation you're facing, or the ups and downs, the losses and disappointments, the victories, the wins, you can know God's thoughts on the situation. And that is what we see here in Simeon's life as well. He was led by the Spirit. And what had uh, the Holy Spirit done for him? The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. He needed this encouragement. He needed to know this. And so God had let him know. There may be some things that you just need to know that if you would just make yourself available, if you would open up your heart and mind to the Lord, then he would tell you the things that you need to know, the things that you need to know for direction, the wisdom that you're seeking for decisions. 
And that's why we are always encouraging people to read and respond to God's Word on a daily basis, to figure out, uh, you know, go to get the Bible app and pick a reading plan, just do something and just write something after that. It, what you're doing is you're opening yourself up to the Lord's leading. You're giving Him an opportunity to tell you the things that you need to know. What if the holy God who created everything, who loves you, who wants what's best for you, would give you a daily briefing where before you start your day, you would hear what you need to know from your heavenly Father? Well, that's what's promised, not just a daily briefing, but moment by moment being led by the Spirit. And what did He say? There's going to be the, the Lord's Messiah. The angels had, a, had announced Christ the Lord. The Messiah, the Lord, was coming. And now Simeon hears that the anointed, the Messiah, the one who would rescue, who is sent by the Lord, is now going to come. That God was going to be active and present. Present and active. And so what is a result? What is Simeon's response? It says, when he saw Jesus, when he held Jesus in his arms, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. You see, there are so many things that are going to foster turmoil in our life. But if we will hold on to Christ, then we will experience peace. And he said, my hopes are being fulfilled. I have seen the Lord's Messiah. Now I can die in peace. He says, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. God was going to be present. He was going to show up. And over and over again, when it says in the scriptures that God heard or God acted, it was, it was the sign that he was going to take the initiative. He was going to show up and he was going to do something about it. And that's what's happening here. God is showing up. He's going to rescue. He's going to save. And he's opening it up to everyone, all people, everywhere. And so, as always, I'm going to encourage you, if you want to shift your focus, if you want to get the, the comfort that you need after loss and disappointment, if you want to be led by the Lord, if you want to have His thoughts and know His mind and be able to have the comfort of His presence, the joy of knowing that all will be well, then say yes to Jesus. If there's never been a time where you have actively uh, committed your life to Jesus, now let that be this time. Commit your life to Jesus. Say yes to Jesus. Uh, what you're doing is you're saying yes to His Lordship and His rescue, His salvation. Yes, that I'm going to recognize you as the sovereign Lord of my life. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to turn my life over to you. I'm finished with trying to lead and direct and figure things out for myself. But now I'm going to follow your lead. I'm going to turn my life over to you. And when you do that, he becomes present and he becomes active in your life. What's he going to do? He's going to rescue. He's going to save you. He becomes, you're saying yes to his salvation, forgiveness for all of the sins of the past, a washing away of your guilt before God, and then the power to understand and to follow His will from this point on. So, 
If you're watching on our church online platform, click that button under the I commit my life to Jesus. If you're listening or watching any place, you can text the word yes to our church number 603-225-2550. When you do that, we'll be able to celebrate with you as you begin your journey with Jesus. And we want to be able to uh, also resource you in your new life with Christ. So please take advantage of that. In the midst of this Christmas season, you can find, like Simeon, that the Lord is present and active. Whatever losses or disappointments you've faced over this time period, this past year, whatever your worries or concerns for the future, whatever situations you are facing right now, know that the Lord is present. He is not, has not abandoned you. He has not left you to fend for yourself. And he is active. When he shows up, he shows up to rescue, to redeem, to comfort, to encourage, to strengthen, to speak to you, to give you the wisdom and insight that you need, the direction to keep you on the path that you should be on. The Lord is present and active. And at this time of the year, that point is driven home so powerfully by the coming of Jesus as a newborn baby, that God is showing up, that he is present with us, that he has showed up for a purpose, that he's going to identify with sinful humanity and take the punishment and the consequence of our sin upon himself and rescue and redeem us, rescue and redeem our time. It says to wrap it up that he, Jesus, is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel. This was Simeon prophesying over Jesus, and it says that Mary and Joseph were just amazed about the things that were being said about him. That Jesus is the light for your path. He is the glory. And we've talked before how glory is uh, representing his presence, that it's God showing up in our lives. And you can have a Christmas that is better than any other one that you've experienced when you say yes to Jesus. So let's do this. This is my challenge for you. Let's be like Simeon. Let's change our focus so that we're not being discipled by talk radio or the news or our worries. We've talked before how if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate, you just turn those things that you're concerned about over and over in your mind. What if we changed our focus and started focusing on the God who loves us, who has sacrificed his son for us, the promises of God, that he will withhold no good thing from those uh, who belong to him. The, the fact that we can entrust ourselves to him, that he will give us the wisdom that we are seeking, that he will direct our paths, that we can be devoted, we can be focused, we can put our hope in him, that all of these other things that might disappoint uh, we don't have to be dependent upon them. We can put our hope in the Lord and know that he is watching over and protecting us and guiding and directing us when we surrender our lives to him. That, that we can be like Simeon, that we can put our hope, we can put our focus, and we can be led by his spirit in fellowship, uh, removal of everything that keeps us from experiencing the joy and peace 
of the presence of God, that we say yes to Jesus. We focus. We are led by him. We are going to surrender our lives and God is going to be present and active in your life. And no pandemic, no change in government, no change in our circumstances can destroy that, not even death. As Simeon said, I can die in peace because I have seen the Christ, the Messiah. We can have peace whatever we face as we surrender and to and follow the Lord Jesus. So I hope that this year you will be able to experience Christmas in a way that you have never experienced it before, that his presence would be so powerful in your life, that you will see how he has been guiding and directing, even in the losses and disappointments, that he has been present and active in your life, that you will have hope, that you will have joy, that you will have peace, because Christ has come, not only into the world, but into your world. And then turn around and join with us in making that message known to the world. That's my hope. And when you know Christ and make him known, you are going to have a Christmas that is better than any you've experienced before. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for what you have done in coming and being present and active, not only in our world, but in our individual lives. Lord, I pray that we would uh, hear the truth of who you are and what you've done and apply it to our hearts and to our lives, that our focus would be on you, that our devotion would be wholehearted to you, that we would be seeking you and hearing from you, and that in the midst of whatever loss and disappointment we have, that we would feel and sense and know your presence, your encouragement, your power in the midst of it all. I thank you for this, and I pray, Lord, that we would reflect what Simeon was like and what Simeon did, and that as a result, we will have the same peace, the same experience, the same fellowship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.